0: Did you know there's a difference between upsells and cross-sells? An upsell is when customers add something to the cart and you offer them an upgrade or a better version. So let's say it's coffee. They add a one-pound bag and then you upsell them the two-pound bag. When they accept, the two-pound bag is added and the one-pound bag is removed from their cart. A cross-sell is when your customer adds something to the cart and you offer them a product to go along with it. So let's say it's that coffee again. You offer might be coffee filters, and when they accept it, the filters get added along with the coffee. And of course, you could do them all together. So let's say your customer adds coffee to the cart, you offer them the two-pound bag, bam, they accept it, and then when they click checkout, you offer them the extra filters. And then finally, after the checkout, you could have a special offer that expires in five minutes with a big countdown timer in their face to get one more bag for 50% off. So how would you implement that money-making magic? Well, with Bold's product upsell app, the first ever upsell app on Shopify. It's been a game changer for stores and recently Bold made some major improvements to it that are taking it to the next level. This might just be the one app every store should have, assuming you have more than one product, of course. With the new upsell version 3.0, you can offer upsells and cross-sells before and after checkout with one click. And even better, if you have the free Bold Brain app, all these upsells can be automated so if you're not offering some form of upsells on your store, you're leaving big heaping piles of money on the table. You can get started with Bold Apps product upsell today with a 60-day free trial by going to EtherCycle.com Bold. That's EtherCycle.com Bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines, and it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability. And it's no wonder. SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial.
1: Senor Elster,
0: uh, I'm leaving that in. That's <laughs> <laughs>
1: you totally should.
0: Yeah, well, just let's just dive into it right now.
1: Okay, go, man.
0: Hello, and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. Joining me today, Dave Rodenbaugh. again. Yes, again, because i I made a mistake a while ago. He reached <laughs> out to me and said, "Hey, there's this terrible thing coming down the pipeline." Well, he didn't say terrible, but he said, "There's." There's the privacy apocalypse. He didn't say that either. He said, hey,
1: there's this thing. (laughs) GDPR-Mageddon. GDPR. GDPR
0: GDPR-Mageddon is coming. And I've researched it. I understand it. Let me explain it. I briefly Googled it and went, this is in the EU and boring as hell. Let's do a different topic. And so we talked about customer service in a recent episode. And I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was a good, valuable talk. But then in that same week, I started seeing the news on GDPR. And I started hearing potential horror stories like, oh, if you – so if you don't care about GDPR yet, this is what scared me. Let's say you're – and Dave will, will straight us, straighten us out on this later. Um, but this was the the horror story I heard was let's say you are a merchant. And you like Shopify is compliant. You have figured out your store is compliant. But you also then have to audit all of the apps you use to make sure that they're also compliant or face fines or whatever. You know, I really – and just that alone, I then reached back out to Dave. I said, Dave, I'm sorry. You were right. GDPR is scary. Please help. And so we booked another episode. That's that's why we're here. That's how it happened. Dave, hold me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> come here, hug. come uh, here, Kurt. I can give you a big hug. A I'm big, just, big virtual hug. Yes, just I know. Pressing
0: my oily T zone against the screen. <laughs>
1: yeah gdpr is uh a bit terrifying i have to say you know it kind of it caught me a little bit off guard with recapture you know i wasn't really thinking too much about it i'm like eh, law in the well, back U- up. european recapture union recapture
0: is your recapture is your your SAS. uh what's it do Just yeah, real quick
1: yeah so uh recapture is email marketing for shopify and magento okay and we've you know We've been around a couple of years. And as an email marketing tool, of course, you're sending tons and tons of email. (laughs) And that is where this sort of came into play. When, I'm trying to remember if it was like January or something like that, I got a couple of panicked emails from customers of mine in the UK. And they're like, are you gonna support GDPR? And I'm like, "Uh, what's that? And so I looked it up and I kind of, at first I was like, huh, that's really weird. And I did a little bit more Googling on it and I found some lawyer that had actually done an internal presentation and then they had posted it on the web. And so I went and watched this whole thing and I'm like, oh my God, this is huge. This is bad. So, you know, I... Then went and talked to them, and they basically came back and said, if you can't become GDPR compliant, I can't use you anymore. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Uh, Let me get right on that. (laughs) And then I looked at all of my customers in Recapture, and I had a significant double digit percentage that were all in the EU. So I saw this as like a looming, massive problem coming down the pipeline. And I'm like, all right, I got to jump on this. So we started digging deeper. I talked to my developer. I'm like, all right, here's all the things I think we need to do. Got a lawyer involved, got um, more research, started looking up more articles, talked to other friends, tried to figure out. I was finding that almost nobody really had a solid clue of what the heck was going on. I mean, even the lawyers are sort of like, "Er, I don't know. Um, you know, this is all kind of untested, uncharted waters at this point. We, we have the letter of the law, but nobody knows how enforceable it is, what it's going to look like. Are there going to be different country interpretations of it? You know, is this going to be like VATMOS with the United States where everybody's kind of like, <clears throat> yeah, you, you're, not get, you're, you're taking VAT out of my cold, dead hands over here, pal. <laughs> Good luck with that. So, yeah, GDPR just kind of snuck up on everybody. And, of course, right now it's like GDPR-mageddon. Everybody's, like, getting all these notices in their inbox, like, hey, we updated our privacy policy for GDPR. And people are starting to ask, what the hell is GDPR?
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's number one. I have learned, like, oh, here's all the things I need to unsubscribe from, much like when my birthday would roll around. (laughs) And all the forums I signed up for 10 years ago would be like, happy birthday, guy um the same thing's been happening with privacy policies because of GDPR. So that's as far as I've gotten is you know in it was unrelated too but happened at an interesting time we saw you know the Facebook Cambridge Analytica scandal and then finally we're starting talk starting to talk about um privacy and data ownership and those things in this country. GDPR is the the response to that before that even happened. So let's let's start at the top. All right. So we've got this, this uh, abbreviation. What does GDPR stand for?
1: GDPR is the General Data Protection Regulation, and it is a law that was passed by the EU consortium sometime in like 2016. It was slated to go into effect, or it is slated to go into effect, May 25th of this year. And it was actually, and hold on to your hats for this one, Kurt. You're going to love it. It was slated to replace something that had the acronym of PECR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like the worst acronym ever. There was the Privacy and Electronic you Communication. Europeans. Yeah, I tell you. Privacy and Electronic Communication Regulation. So that one was a directive. And that was sort of like a strong hint, you know, if you're talking in. Um, uh, Captain Jack Sparrow speak, it's a suggestion more than a rule, but uh, or a guideline more than a rule, and I don't have a Jack Sparrow accent, unfortunately, sorry. But GDPR is now an actual law, so this thing has, like, enforceability, and it has some teeth in the courts, and this sucker's got, like, a big, fat, nasty fine associated with it. It's, if you don't comply with GDPR, and somebody makes a complaint against you, and they find that you're not compliant, the fine is four percent of your global revenue or 20 million euros whichever is greater yeah i need to lay
0: down (laughs) whichever is greater so the minimum is 20 million euros the fine
1: yeah yeah now with (sighs) yeah i know with all of that said it doesn't feel like GDPR is really aimed at the small business. But of course, as small businesses, we still have to do something about it, which is so annoying. You know, it, in many ways it's like can spam. You know, the, the little guys aren't the one that people are are getting attacked by can spam. It's the bigger ones or it's the like serious spam houses that are going they're getting uh, lawsuits filed against them. So GDPR feels like that, but we all still have to do the can spam stuff. You've got to have the unsubscribe link. You got to put your email address in. So GDPR is just another one of those kind of things.
0: Okay. So, uh, well, what, what's the intent of this act of GDPR?
1: So I will say that the intent is actually a fairly positive one, in my opinion. The whole idea of GDPR is to basically say users have a fundamental right to privacy. And, you know, basically by having a a governmental body say that, they're sending a message across all companies that you can't just sort of have a patchwork of your own particular privacy policy that we have to say everybody gets the same rights as everybody else. So it doesn't matter which site you're using. It doesn't matter which service you've signed up for, that they all get the same kind of privacy rights. And from that standpoint, I think that's really good. I mean, I've always had businesses where I try to respect users' privacy and we take good care of their data. We don't do stupid things with it, like sell it to third parties. But basically, GDPR is now saying all of this is required, all of this is in law, and you have to be absolutely 100% clear so, no more like obscure, bizarre privacy policies filled with legalese. It's got to be clear, understandable, and absolutely consensual of what you're doing with somebody's data. Okay. That's like the fundamental thing there.
0: And this is um, unlike in the US and the EU, they've got, there's a ton of um, public awareness around this. This is like if you brought this up, people would know what you're talking about, right?
1: Yes, uh, it's definitely more – if you look at like business publications in the EU, you talk to businesses that are in the UK or France or whatever, there's definitely a stronger awareness of it. But I would not say that the average citizen or the average business is still up to speed on all the details. There's still a huge amount of confusion. The Slack groups I've been in, the folks that are in the EU, the ones that are actually trying to figure this stuff out and are deep, deep, deep into it still have – questions about fundamental things as to whether this is really sane or not. So, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of energy around it and nothing is really set in concrete per se, I would say.
0: Okay. Cause, so this is what scared me about it is when I looked through it, I saw it lays out um, some of the, the fundamental rights to requests that consumers get regarding their data. So I've got some – if you – you could be in the U.S. and have a, a customer from the U.S. or from the EU message you and make one of three requests. They – from – correct me if I'm wrong. They could say, listen, I need to get access, meaning you have to provide them a report of the data you have on them. Uh, they can request to have that erased, which is defined as deleted forever. Or rectified, they can update their own personal data. And that like, all right, within your store, that's pretty easy. You go, well, here's, like, the customer – this is what I've got. I've got my customer thing and maybe, you know, some data in a CRM and you can update and erase those easily. But once you add apps into the mix, oh my gosh. Now, like, so Shopify merchants, number one, you got to field these requests and then the apps are, are the big problem. That's the part that scares me, like managing all of that garbage.
1: Absolutely. Um, so what you're talking about here is a combination of so there's a list of like fundamental rights it's kind of like the gdpr bill of rights so one of them is the right to be forgotten uh and that's the one where your data gets deleted you have the right to find out what somebody has on you that's the right to get an export um and there's a bunch of other ones but those are like the t- the two key ones i oh, would so there's
0: say even more okay oh, yeah but i mean
1: there's sort of like you know you have the right to high security and you have All the right. right to have your data protected basically stuff like that but you know that's sort of like you know building an app 101, like, if you're not doing HTTPS, if you're not encrypting your data backups, if you're not, you know, hashing your passwords and, and things like that, like, you probably shouldn't be in the Shopify App Store to start with, <laughs> you know. Th- those are practices that you should have had in place ages and ages ago. But, you know, I'm assuming that everybody has gotten past that step, and then there's all this other stuff that goes. You know, GDPR is all about privacy by design, so your app really has to be trying to do its best to protect the user's data at the highest levels that you are capable of doing. And then the users are the owners of the data. You're technically not the owner of the user's data in GDPR. It just says that that you-
0: Clever shift here.
1: Right, so there's the notion of data processors and data controllers. So let's talk about that for a second. Data processors are people like MailChimp, where MailChimp has a list of email addresses. They're not MailChimp's emails. They're they're ones that you've collected and given to MailChimp to do something with. So now MailChimp can send those emails out on your behalf. If you're a data controller, you physically own those emails. So somebody, like if you're the Shopify merchant, you're technically the data controller for all of the uh, purchase information that you've gotten. Stripe or PayPal might be your data processor. They don't own that data, but they are... The ones who actually um, need it in order to be able to fully process a payment with a bank or a credit card and complete that transaction. So for data processors and data controllers, you've got to make sure that you are doing the right thing with the data. And it's possible that you are both a data processor and a data controller. So the example I gave for MailChimp is actually a little bit incorrect. Data pro- MailChimp is actually both. Recapture, I'm both. But some things like as a Shopify store, you are also probably both. You're processing data with through payment processors and things like that, but you're also holding on to that information. So Shopify is also both. <laughs> uh, and that sort of muddies the water a little bit in the data ownership. But the users always have the right to say, I don't want you to use my data anymore. And this is sort of the one of the weird side effects of GDPR that and, – and one of the huge conf, uh, points of confusion, I would say, is that GDPR technically says that I don't have to give you personally identifiable information for you to be able to still provide me a service. But at the same time, like, how can I sell you my service if I don't have, like, your credit card number and your name and your zip code and all of this stuff in order to be able to charge your card? Like that's required to finish the transaction. So there's something notion, there's the notion of being like a legitimate interest. And if you have a legitimate interest in somebody's data, that kind of overrides this whole you don't have to have my personally identifiable stuff to do the service. And so that also adds to some confusion here as to whether you have that legitimate interest or you don't have the legitimate interest. And there's like a whole set of tests. So if you're interested in what that looks like, I'm not a lawyer. I should have said that at the beginning. I'm absolutely not a lawyer. I don't offer legal advice on any of this stuff. This is only what I've researched and understood to the best of my ability at this point in trying to become compliant for Recapture. But in this particular case, the um, trying to figure out where I was going with that, (laughs) I kind of lost my train of thought there. Sorry. All right.
0: Well, let's let's recap here. How is this going to impact my store? I'm a merchant. Like, all right, I'm su- at this point. I'm sufficiently scared. What is the end result for me? How is this going to impact me? And if I'm in the U.S., do I? Ne- does it impact me? Do I even need to care? Like, certainly, yes. right, this so is a problem for that. the for uh, any app developer. This is a, a serious consideration. But if you're the, the merchant, the store owner, let's go with that. If I'm in the U.S., do I care at all? And what's if I do? What's the impact?
1: great that's a fantastic question and that I think is like the sixty four thousand dollar or maybe the 20 million euro question right and the the real answer that I have for this at this point is that if you're a US based business it actually doesn't matter the fact that you own and operate your business on US soil according to my interpretation and others lawyers interpretation of GDPR it matters where your customers are located so if, for example, you're in the United States and you're selling the majority of your stuff to a bunch of customers in Germany, then you are subject to the GDPR because your customers are subject to the GDPR, which is weird. And this is the part that you know none of the lawyers really know how enforceable this actually is at this point. But the way that GDPR is written right now, that's the intent. Now... Let's assume for a second that GDPR is not enforceable in the United States. Does that even matter at this point? I would argue no, and here's why. Your customers, your European customers I should be specific about, the European customers are sufficiently freaked out about GDPR that they absolutely, positively don't want to do business with any store or any service or any website that doesn't clearly state whoa, I'm GDPR compliant. So you're totally cool doing business with me. And that right there, I think is the major consideration. So if you're a U.S. business and you do business with only other countries that have nothing to do with GDPR. So let's say you are a direct supplier to a bunch of people in Japan. Great. Japan is not under GDPR. You're probably cool. If you do business with only U.S. customers, you're probably not subject to GDPR. But, If you go and take a serious look at your customers, you'll probably find there's a percentage of them in there that are European. And these ones are the ones that are going to be very concerned about doing business with you just because you're not GDPR compliant. So if that's 1% and you're fine with losing that business, then you probably don't need to worry about it. But if it's like me where it's double digit percent and you're like, well, I can't afford to just ignore that revenue then you probably want to become GDPR compliant. So what does that actually look like? What does GDPR compliance actually look like?
0: Yeah, what do I have to change? What are the the, the specific tactical things I got to change in my store to meet with the compliance? i will say even if I I don't think it is a risk to me, but it, it's a set of good ideas, and I'm future-proofing myself um, by, uh, by implementing this, where would you begin? What should yeah, I do? And-
1: And let's talk about that future proofing section for just a second here, because in the the House of Representatives, two Democratic senators or uh, sorry, two Democratic reps have tried to introduce a bill that's basically the U.S. version of GDPR. So if you think that somehow we're all going to be exempt from this in the light of. Cambridge Analytica and Facebook and privacy violations and antitrust suits with Google. You know, I think this is coming down the line for everybody at some point, whether it's now, a year from now, five years from now. Future proofing is a good idea. So, what do you have to do to future proof? That's the second question you have, and that's another fantastic question. So, GDPR is about consent. You have to have 100% clear and unambiguous consent for any marketing activities that you do. So what does that look like? It means that you can't do a pop-up that has pre-filled checkboxes or something that says, if you click this button, you totally agree to our terms of service. That's not clear, unambiguous consent. Consent is where there's an unchecked checkbox on there that says, we're going to use your email address to send you discounts, offers, and updates about things that you buy from us and then the user clicks on that and then presses a submit button, that's clear consent. They are saying, I'm okay with you doing that. They, yeah, this, they actively opted in. Yes, it's clear, present and positive acceptance of exactly that activity that you are now given permission to do with their personally identifiable information. So I would say right there, that's probably like the number one thing you gotta fix, whether it's you know custom code that you have in your store or apps that you're using or whatever, if you're not doing that stuff, you got to change it right away. And in addition to being clear consent, it's not just enough to say, I accept whatever you're going to do with my email address. You you have to lay it out. And if there's like four things you're going to do with the email address, and they're four totally different things, GDPR is also saying that you need to have four different permissions for that. So you might need four checkboxes. And this is uh, another one of those fuzzy points that I think you're going to see some varying levels of compliance out there. I think some people are going to get very, very specific and say, yes, here are the four things that you can do with that email. And some people are going to say, yes, you can do these and no, you can do the others. And I think others are going to try to cram it all into one statement and say, you know, you have to accept all these in order to do it. And I think some of them are going to try to claim legitimate interest under that, but it's it's going to be your level of comfort and how you think your users are going to react to that. I mean, the bottom line with GDPR is that you want to just not be a sleaze ball anymore. Like if you <laughs> had something that was slightly sleazy, you shouldn't be doing it. That's that's really what GDPR is trying to prevent. It's like the anti-sleaze ball le- legislation. Um so that's probably the first thing Second thing is that uh, you have to have a way to delete users' data. They have to be – you have to provide the right to be forgotten. Now, this one, it's kind of funny. I had a discussion. I was just at MicroConf this week, and I was talking with Chris Koslowski of Easy Digital Downloads, which does um, digital subscriptions for WordPress. And he and I were having this debate about the right to be forgotten. He said that if you put this on an automated thing on a site, that this could basically end up being something that I could go and take a list of email addresses and find out what data you have on various people. Because you could either say delete it or get a download of it. So the right to be forgotten, you have to have some mechanism for it. But there's nothing that says it has to be automated. And I'm thinking initially that this is not gonna be like a flood of thousands of people coming to your store saying, oh my God, give me everything that you have on me. So as long as you have a form that says, hey, contact me and I'll be happy to to deal with your request. The other thing that he was saying to me that was kind of scary about this was, well, what if somebody impersonates somebody else? So I go to a site and I'm like, hi, my name's Kurt Elster. Here's my email address. Tell me what you have on me. Oh, Jesus. So, yeah. So that's that's one of those things that I, I don't know how to fix it because of course how do you how do you deal with that? Well, you ask for more personally identifiable information? So now you're it even does deeper seem like into a the big weeds. loophole that this
0: right to access enables.
1: Yeah, yeah, and nobody's really answered that question yet. And this is this is definitely one of the scarier things for me. I don't know how to fix that. So I would say right now you're going to have to you know stick with a manual process. And just look in your own data when somebody contacts you. Is this person contacting you from the same email? Do they look like they're asking – You know, do they have the same name as what you have a record of? Because if it's somebody else, I would think, eh, this could be spammer sleazeball land here. I, you know, I have no idea. So that one's a little spooky. It's an extra um,
0: layer of due diligence for you. It also – this could be – you could if you wanted to be nefarious, you could weaponize this as a form of DDoS, like just bury someone – in these requests.
1: Totally, totally. So that one's a little scary as well. Um, all right, so what else do you need to do? That's not all you need to do. You got to have clear consent. You have a, You have to have something so that the users could be forgotten or find so the, out what you with well, them.
0: On the clear consent one, so I go to my checkout, I've got, there's a checkbox that says uh, customer or you know, receive updates, newsletters. I forgot what the language they use is, but it's where you opt in to um, to receive marketing when you, it's the first step in the checkout. Yes, Shopify. By default, they have it. It is visible, but unchecked. Your other options are hide it entirely. Don't do that. And uh, have it visible and remain checked. I always, I, I go aggressive. And if I believe in what we're selling, I go, I check that thing. That's not GDPR compliant.
1: It is absolutely not GDPR compliant now. So but you're not going to be able
0: to skip over it. They want to buy their thing. And now they're opted into my newsletter.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So that that doesn't that doesn't fall under the respective users data here. You know, that's yeah, that would not be GDPR compliant. So you can't do stuff like that. Auto auto opt ins. In the the
0: past, we said, listen, you can opt out and at any time. But going in, you didn't say no. So that's a yes. And in the now post GDPR, it's all right. You need the yes before you can go forward.
1: Yes, okay. absolutely. What you just said is 100% correct. So you've got to be more careful than um, what we've done in the past. All right. So what else do you need to do? Your privacy policy, terms and conditions. When was the last time you updated those? Guess what? You get to update them in 2018 for GDPR. You've got to have clear language in there. You have to call out what it is that you're collecting. You have to call out how long you retain it. Don't have a data retention policy? Oh, guess what? That's something else you get to do in 2018. You need to have a clear data retention policy. And you've got to call out what third-party services you integrate with and are using. So those are like probably the biggest things I think that, most stores have to do. It is a big go, pain.
0: Like here's a typical store. All right, call out Google Analytics. Call out Shopify, which it already does. Um, so what, one nice thing at Shopify, you go settings, checkout. Generate sample privacy policy. And that's all most people did. If they even did that, I mean, I often go in, that's one of the first things I check when I audit a store, and I just click generate the privacy policy. But then you actually have to read the thing to make sure it makes sense and that you're following what it is laid out. Um, and ideally, then put that into a page on your site and link to it in the footer. I think it's a nice, nice, um, nice touch to add trust and professionalism to your store. But now you're going to have people possibly looking for it. Um, and certainly third party advertising services, they don't want to get like Facebook does not want to get in hot water again. It is entirely possible uh, that the site has to have a link to a up-to-date privacy policy or they won't let you advertise. Um so this that is a like a third party level of impact, but very important when you're talking about Facebook ads, right? Absolutely. Um, and like we've got customers just printing money by using their same ad campaigns in Europe where Facebook ads here's a pro tip way cheaper in Europe than they are here because they don't have the same level of saturation so you get crazy return on ad spend by just trying the same thing in say the UK um the the bit of a rabbit hole there but that it's it, it's practical it shows you how this this impacts you um okay so i could generate update my privacy policy but if i have to list out all the third party services i'm using every time let's say so we we list Facebook as our Facebook pixel. We list Google Analytics. Shopify will call itself out. And then we also, well, we add uh, uh, a Privy as our opt-in pop-up form. Got to add that. Now we do some heat mapping with Hotjar. Oh, I got to update it, add that. And then you got to make sure these things are compliant. It quickly turns in spirals into just a, a rat's nest.
1: Uh, yeah, well, that's the understatement of the year. <laughs> so, I mean, you you absolutely have to have all of that stuff called out, which I, I don't think most people are even thinking that that's like a necessary thing here.
0: What are the – give me the, the the top three things I have to do, summarize, to get my store compliant.
1: Okay. All right. So, yeah, we've kind of been like all over the place on this. And um, so first and foremost, you got to make everything super clear. That means like getting your terms and uh, – Terms and conditions updated, your privacy policy. Make sure all your unsubscribed links are very clear. You got to have a written policy about what you're collecting and why on your privacy policy. So that's the stuff we just talked about. You got to document any third party vendors. Hey, hello, all Shopify apps. So if you're using them, got to put them in your privacy policy. And you got to say what they're saying about it. Um, Make sure all your documentation is in order. So not just the privacy policy, but you should probably have some GDPR procedures like. What kind of data retention are you doing? Who is the person who's going to be in charge of all of this? If you're a single shop owner, all of this obviously falls on you, but you still have to write it down. I mean, it sounds kind of stupid, but this is what the GDPR is saying. Um, And then making your data retention policies explicit. So if you have like backups going two years ago and your data retention policy is now six months, get rid of anything that's older than six months. So that's something that's really important. Um, the next thing I would say you probably want to do is make sure all the apps that you're working with are GDPR compliant. If you're working with any of the big boys, MailChimp, Clavio, you're working with me, you're going to be um, getting some kind of an email in your inbox about GDPR compliance. And all, pretty much all of us that are doing email marketing are all saying, you bet your ass we're going to be GDPR compliant. And it's going to be before May 25th. But not everybody's going to be proactive about it. So you should probably reach out and go ask, are you going to be GDPR compliant? If you are, when is it going to happen? Uh, And then, you know, there's other obvious things, like I said, that you should be doing and if you're not doing right now, you just really ought to, like encrypted backups, limiting access to things, HTTPS, all of that stuff. Um, Have some sort of a page on your site for right to be forgotten so users can contact you and make sure that you're doing clear consent for all of your marketing activities so you can't have the pre-filled checkboxes. I'd say that sort of is like the the main points at the very highest level. And then the only other thing I might say about that is if there's something that you're collecting right now and you're literally doing nothing with it, then you might want to ask yourself, why am I collecting this? You know, it's if it's liability. not for it's a liability at this point, if it's not for billing, if it's not for shipping, if it's not for marketing, why do I have this around? Like if you don't ever call your customer and don't need a phone number and nobody else needs a phone number, don't collect their phone number. Because you're just really adding risk to yourself, and it's it's a headache. So I would say that's the big one.
0: I am I'm far less terrified of GDPR now. Still a little confused on it, but here's the thing. So is everybody because we've got um, like EU member nations all have to comply with it, but they're also – some of them are carving out exemptions and things and how it works. It is not set in stone. Um, and to Dave's point, neither of us are lawyers. So does – It's tough uh, to interpret the things um, without this this EU and privacy data uh, experience as a lawyer, but it's going to change. And at the end of the day, I I think the thing to look at is its intent is, hey, there has been – there is a shift now. Users are aware that their data is out there. They want to know what you're doing with it. And guess what? If you want to be in any kind of online business, now you have to step up and it's your responsibility. It was the entire time. But now we have legislated it, um, that you've got to worry about it and take care of it and just be a good person, right? Like that (laughs) doesn't seem so bad or so hard. Be moral and ethical and professional. I mean I put a thing in our – in my proposals, in even our, our payment credit card processing page for client services, I flat out say, if you find evidence that we have acted unprofessionally or unethically in our first thirty days, or have not done what we said we we're going to do, we'll give you a hundred percent refund, no questions asked. And that, like that, should be that should be law. That should be the flat out baseline for hey, I'm going to hire a person for money. Yeah. Uh, and GDPR yeah. is codifying that.
1: Exactly. So I would say, sum it up. You know, don't panic. It's not, it's not the end of the world here. But don't ignore it either. If you just sort of follow the basic stuff that we talked about, you're going to be like miles ahead of of everybody. And even if it's not 100% certain, the very fact that you've done something and tried to be compliant in good faith will probably go a long way to not getting slapped by it. And, you know, just don't do sneaky stuff. Like you said, you know, act like an ethical professional business. If that wasn't your standard before, it probably should have been your standard. But most people really try to do that in good faith. And I think as long as those are your three guiding principles here, you'll probably do okay. I
0: love it. Great, great closing words. Dave, thank you.
1: Well, thank you for having me on again. This has been fun and I'm glad I'm glad you came around on GDPR here. Uh, I figured you were just bored by the topic from yeah, the, uh, the sheer The sheer volume of stuff that was talking about, but I, you know, I think that what where you came from on this was like, "Yeah, this kind of sounds boring." And then when you dig into it, you're like, "Oh, well, that's not that's boring, but that's eh, huge." And I think that's what people are starting to realize. So, yeah, don't like I said, don't ignore it. Dig into it a little bit, do your things, and I think you'll be fine.
0: Wonderful. David, thank you.
1: Thank you, Kurt. Wait,
0: where can people go to learn more about you and get a special offer and pay you money because you're GDPR compliant?
1: Oh, yes, because I am a GDPR compliant uh, abandoned cart email marketing service. You can come to recapture.io and sign up to get uh, abandoned cart recovery for Shopify Uh, There's also going to be a link in the show notes to our uh, listing in the app store, which is far longer and harder to describe. But uh, recapture.io will get you there as well. And if you want to follow me on the Twitters, you can look for at Dave Rodenbaugh and hear all sorts of other complaints about GDPR.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. Dave, thank
1: you again. And thank you, Kurt.
0: Before we go, I wanted to tell you about our friends at Zapayit who helped make this episode possible. Have you ever wanted to offer local pickup in your store? Or how about scheduled local deliveries? Zapayat's easy-to-use app helps thousands of merchants do just that, offer store pickup and delivery to their Shopify customers right in their store. They've just launched a massive update that adds a ton of new features. To learn more about it and start your 14-day free trial, and get 10% off if you stick with it, head to zapayat.com slash podcast. That's Z-A-P-I-E-T dot slash podcast. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at e-commerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.